Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Chris Miller. We recorded this back in February at Wintergrass in Bellevue, Washington. Get Up in the Cool is listener-funded. Shout out to Peter Flory and another supporter who wished to remain anonymous. Get Up in the Cool's newest supporters on Patreon. Thanks so much for chipping in. Anyone else who wants to help fund this podcast can sign up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. Link in the show notes. Get Up in the Cool is free to listen to, but it is not free to make. Any help would be appreciated. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Chris Miller. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Thank you. 
<laughs> Chris Miller, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah. It's so great to be here. I think you'll be happy to know, honored to know, that you are our first tenor saxophonist. <laughs> At least the first tenor saxophonist to bring that instrument <laughs> to an interview on Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Um, I have been the first tennis saxophonist to do many things that maybe should not have been done. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate audacity uh, in general, but I think especially in um, spaces that take themselves really seriously. And uh, especially when people do things that are beautiful and pleasure-oriented, uh, and audacious. <laughs> and that is a thing that you do, because you uh -huh. play uh, all sorts of um, American string band musics with this. Why Thank Why you. do you do that? Well, <laughs> I, I've always loved all of these musics, and then I decided to play saxophone, you know, in middle school band, when you have a choice. Sure. I just, I wanted to be in the band. Uh, I had tried guitar and it hurt my fingers. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, saxophone is what I have. This is the music that I love. How can I like yeah. merge these two things together? And and I try really hard if I'm going to do it to do it. Um, always thinking like it, that. Hopefully it is beautiful. Uh, hopefully it sounds okay because I really hate fusion music that, uh -huh. <laughs> that doesn't sound like it's like being played with heart or like any depth of of care for the music you know yeah there's sort of uh you can kind of smell it almost you know when it's like is this about novelty um or is this about the heart wanting what it wants you know and you I, can I, tell. I, hope that pe I hope that people can tell the difference yeah yeah and, and, yeah it's fun. It's fun to really, you know, surprise people with that because they they have ex a lot of expectations when I come into a, a space, and they're always surprised. <laughs> yeah, not you, not in, to varying degrees. What do you suppose they they expect you to do? Um, well, I think they expect like there's a lot of um, cultural knowledge of the saxophone that is great and like really fun and yeah. cool from from yakety sax to like careless whisper yeah you know which we're gonna do yeah at that's some the, point. Next, yeah. the next two. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean they they always expect that whatever if i'm in a jazz yeah. setting or or classical or anything you see a saxophone and you yes. you have things that come to mind sure. and things that come into your, your and those are iconic because that music is good yeah <laughs> ultimately and people like it, think it's a punchline but it is it slaps. Right, right. Including Yakety Sax. Oh, That's yeah. It's a great song. Well, all of, there's a great, like, all of the great tenor players from history, they, they do this thing called Walk in the Bar, which mm. is like a rhythmic kind of musical thing, but also literally comes from when you were a tenor saxophone player in the 30s and 40s, you had to get up on the bar and kind of, like, strut down the bar as you were playing. Yeah. Which is a, a novelty. Of yeah. Course. So, like, novelty has been, um, you know, ingrained in the history of this instrument in American music and that's cool it's fun like it's fun to be a novelty too sure and i love giving that to people when they want it because we're all having fun with it but i also really ultimately just want to play good music and i if i die and i'm thought of 
just as a good musician, not as a saxophone player, that would make me happy. Yeah. yeah. A long time from now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this isn't a cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> this is not my last will. Honestly. Yeah. Um, so you said this is the instrument you happened to learn because you wanted to be in the band, but then you also really like this music or these musics. And I guess bridge that gap. When did you get exposed to American traditional string band or string band adjacent yeah. music? And well, I, I grew up in Florida. My dad was a deadhead, so I was, I'm sure the earliest thing I heard was like Garcia Grisman. Yeah, Holden in the Way. I remember really well. Grisman's here this weekend. We're at Wintergrass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, I had family in Western North Carolina in Boone. So super early on, I heard Doc Watson. Yeah. Literally, he would just hang out, like, playing on the street in front of the drugstore. You know, yeah. I feel incredibly lucky for, for being exposed to that. And then, yeah, my dad and I would go to bluegrass festivals. The first one I remember, I was probably, like, 9 or 10. Uh, yeah, we'd go to Merle Fest every year. Yeah. But even before that, we were, I mean, South Florida, if we have any culture of our own that isn't like appropriated it's smooth jazz sure so there's like the jazz on the green was literally like they would have a golf course they'd set up a stage on the fairway and everybody bring their lawn chairs and that really is like some of the earliest music i remember yeah and just being like feeling the feeling of in the audience where like you kind of get goosebumps and like everybody's just blissing out and there are people on stage and i was just like wow i i want to do that you know i want to feel that all the time so i mean that that's a big part of what led me to saxophone other than just that i wanted to be in band and like there's a program for how to play a band or orchestra instrument that i didn't know that you could do the same thing with banjo or even fiddle when i was when i was that young i think yeah uh it's so funny um yeah like no shade at all on any of the brass or woodwinds that were offered but there's there's often very few opportunities to participate at post school to participate in those instruments and it's like are you preparing us all to be in like military bands you know to play like seriously uh, 20th century composed symphonic band music or to be teachers or to be teachers yes Sort of recursive loop. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of freaked me out when I was in like grad school and I realized that that I was slowly about to repeat the loop and I was like, I can't, I don't want to. I want to blow it all up now. Yeah. But I like, but from like early on, definitely high school, I started playing outside of school. Yeah. In all kinds of whatever situations I could find, whether it was like walking up to a jam at a bluegrass festival or. Like, I played in, like, a Grateful Dead cover band. I played in funk bands. I played this, like, emo kids, you know, original songs. Really, like, anything I could do. Sure. And, like, I mean, that was so valuable for me. Yeah. More, way more than school, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that when you wanted to break the loop, you're like, and I'm taking the saxophone with me. As opposed to, like... <laughs> well... Yeah, I, I kind of I was in too deep already. Right. Like, I did start <laughs> learning other instruments. Yeah, I, like, I started learning banjo when I was in grad school. Yeah. Clawhammer. And, and I had already started trying to learn dobro. And I really quickly went from loving the dobro to hating it, uh-huh. like, in the course of learning it. That's sort of one of the things about learning an instrument, too. You know, yeah. it, like, it takes a lot of the mystery out. And, yeah. 
that's why I never want to learn fiddle. It like it's always going to remain <laughs> pure for me. Like I love it so much. But uh, and and you have to go through many years of suffering to listening to yourself. I yeah. Feel like before you get <laughs> get to a point. But yeah, I mean, saxophone for me is a tool that I had like spent many years, you know, becoming technically proficient at. So it was easier for me to try to translate that into the music I wanted to play than to like start over with a yeah. new instrument. Really. So far, it's still easier. Yeah. I haven't quite crossed that. Uh, right, yeah, like banjo still feels like a totally foreign thing to me. I've been playing for like ten years, but but I feel so limited by it, and that's a cool feeling too. Yeah, but it's also great to come home to an instrument where you feel, yeah. you know, you, you yeah, you know it inside and out. So. Yeah, the your your body yeah. and it have a relationship, and you can kind of put it on autopilot. And yeah, what else do you want to play? I was thinking, I mean, yeah, I don't really play a lot of old-time tunes on the saxophone, for the record. I don't really think it lends itself that well. It doesn't have to be specifically no, no, time but, yeah. But I was thinking, and I was playing earlier, do you play Dorigo? Yes. <laughs> like, anything that's got kind of a modern bent to it, yeah. I think lends itself much better to the sax. So. Right on. Why don't uh, do that? Let's absolutely do that. Uh, George is here this weekend, and he will be... Tickled pink yeah. to know that Dorigo showed up again. It's been on the show recently, <laughs> I, but I, oh, really? I, I, yeah. I'll do it whenever every, anyone asks. I mean, it should never go away. Yeah, it's especially if them. it's going to be a new instrument every time. <laughs> do you uh, like to play it in D? Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, let me uh, give Thank mm-hmm. you. 
<laughs> Just how George Jackson intended it. <laughs> he actually wrote that song for me. Yeah. <laughs> then he recorded it. This one goes out to Chris. <laughs> That was the original title, Chris Miller. That's fun. Yeah, that was lovely. I think I first heard your name when I was like, I don't, I don't remember when you came out with this album, but uh, it was the Chris, Here we go. Here we go. The Chris Miller plays Gnome Pakelmy plays Kenny Baker plays Bill Monroe. Did I get the names in the right order? Yeah, yeah that's right. Great. That's Can the right you chronological order? <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell that that story? Sure. I remember being like, there's a high context joke here. I'm not deep enough into old time or bluegrass to know exactly what's going on. Oh, at the time. Really? that's funny. Yeah. I, I am now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? This seems funny, but I don't. Someone explain this to me. Yeah. Well, I was living in New York City at the time. I I should say I was a huge fan of Punch Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Nickel Creek was one of the first bands that I re- really got me into mm. string band music, I would say. And I followed Feely, like, all through. To his move to New York, I kind of just followed him there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I saw those guys a lot. I got to know them a little. Noam is, like, an incredibly funny person. Very dry. Very funny. Uh, so when I found out he was doing, like, a literal transcription of Kenny Baker plays Bill Monroe, like... I thought it was great and kind of ridiculous. And, yeah. like, you know, it was just my brand of, like, sort of, is it a joke, is it not, you know? Like, and bluegrass music has always towed that line for me. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's, like, again, it's, like, audacious yeah. in, in what it is. But, uh, yeah. So then I kind of was, like, chatting with Noam, and I was like, I'm going to do the Chris Miller plays now. And he was like, I dare you. And I was like... Don't fuck with me. I will really do it. <laughs> and then I did. I didn't actually record the whole album. I recorded four, like four right? tracks. Yeah. And I spent a good month like really trying to transcribe note for note from the Kenny Baker. I didn't even have... Gnome's record wasn't out yet. Yeah. yeah. I actually released mine the same day he released his. <laughs> which he did not think was funny. Oh, no! <laughs> Unfortunately. I and like, funny. I mean, it's sort of... What, what he happened? dared you. He dared me. But what happened was, <laughs> and like, I totally, I totally understand where he's coming from because he had management, record label, publicity, all these people who, one, are not going to understand the joke, sure. or two, just think it's some <laughs> annoying, like, confusing detraction from what they're trying to do. Right. So uh, that happened. But the, the thing that, like, went viral about it was we just, we made this, like, behind-the-scenes making-of video. And I just, like, had the camera rolling during the recording session and just started making shit up, you know, yeah. like, with, and with my friends. And luckily they were on board, like, to just do a little improv. And uh, the result was, was, I can't watch it anymore. It's yeah. been too long. But, I mean, it was funny at the time. And it might, I mean, I was really touched at how it kind of went viral, especially like in the Berkeley bluegrass world, yeah. which is really my like target audience. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then like I went to IBMA, the Revelers, my Cajun Zydeco band got hired to play the festival at IBMA. And I was like there, I'm like, wow, I'm at IBMA. I never thought I'd really be here. And like people recognized me yeah. from that. 
like Michael Cleveland. Oh my God! Was like one of the guys in this band was like Michael is a big fan of your. He thinks you're very funny. He would like to have his picture taken with you. <laughs> so kids, the lesson is: don't bother trying to do anything good. Just do something funny that goes viral, and it will be more successful than anything you ever try to do. Seriously. Uh, it's a, yeah. I mean, there's. There's something there. <laughs> I love the long game jokes. Yes. That kind of thing. Something that like clearly took a lot of planning and like resources just for just for that one joke. Like, <laughs> it pays out like a slot machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, was that your first time playing string band music on the saxophone or had you ventured into that before that point? I'd, I'd done, I'd done quite a bit casually. Uh, you know, like I, like at bluegrass festival sitting in with, I would sit in with whoever. And, uh, I guess the most experience I had growing up in Florida when I was in college, I got, um, it's kind of a cool story. Actually. I was, I started going to this, uh, Swanee spring fest. That's a great festival that happens twice a year on the Swanee river about an hour and a half from where I was going to college in Jacksonville. And I went by myself for a couple of years. I went with my dad for a few years and then he couldn't come. I went by myself and I didn't know anybody at this festival. I was camping by myself. There was a torrential downpour, like huge storm. The stages were flooded. Like the festival is essentially canceled, but a lot of people just kind of stuck around. And I, I saw some people jamming on the stage, like in the middle of the night the stage was surrounded by water, but, like, they were up there, and I was just like, huh. um, I just grabbed my horn and kind of jumped in against my, like, the part of my brain that was telling me, no, no, don't do this, you know? But, like, I just kind of, kind of like that j- taking a jump off a cliff sort of yeah. And luckily, one of the people in that jam was this banjo player named Reverend Jeff Mosier, who, uh, he is sort of a jamgrass guy out of Atlanta. He sings beautifully and uh, plays just great banjo, but but his band there was sort of an electric. He played yeah. electric banjo, and there's uh, pedal steel and guitar and drums, and anytime there's drums, like, saxophone is yeah. much more friendly. But, uh, yeah, there was this great fiddler in that band, David Blackman, who uh, played... He was kind of known in that, like, played with Widespread Panic and some other people, but he was just, like, a serious, very serious fiddler. And so we would play some fiddle tunes. I started touring around with that band a little bit, and that was kind of the first time I ever did it, like on stage. Yeah, yeah, in a in a serious way, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I really didn't know like what the differences between bluegrass and old time music were in Florida. Both exist, but I mean they're not so divided. And then I got to New York City, and like there was a jam at the old Bag It In that. Uh, that like the back room was the bluegrass jam and the front room was the old time jam and people did yeah. not really mix. <laughs> and then I started being like, what is this about? Like what makes this thing? And like realizing how different the people were that kind of gravitate toward these different styles. And Yeah. You know. I'm curious. I'm curious if you have a take. <laughs> you uh, said the, the people gravitate. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot yeah. of takes, but yeah. I'll just say in myself, like I was drawn to both for different reasons. Yeah. But, um, a lot of the bluegrass musicians had were former jazz musicians like me, yeah. Because there's a lot of improvisation, there's a lot of kind of stepping out front, soloing, yeah, that kind of thing, and that can be beautiful. But I was kind of over that after you know, like getting pretty burnt out with school and yeah, and playing an instrument that's so like about soloing or like people expect you right. to solo. 
I really love like finding textures and fitting into a sound. And to me, that the, the beautiful thing about old time music is it's like more of a collective thing. Yeah. And and that feeling you get when when you're like vortexing, you know, like yeah. that doesn't exist in any other kind of music. So yeah, uh, that I know the of. vortex. I mean, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Somebody said that. I love that. Top. I forget who. Maybe Bob <laughs> Willoughby or somebody yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that. That collective energy that's like swirling around and it's like hypnotic and, mm. and it's the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. You yeah. Know? That that thing. That thing. <laughs> and they're yeah, they're different people are drawn to those for, for different reasons, I think. But yeah. like all kinds of music. There's there's good in, in all of it. You just you know you might have to like put in some time, like do some homework to kind of figure out or get to the point where you can experience it at that level. Even as a listener or as a player, you know. I, I appreciate anyone who talks about enjoying music being a skill. Mm. Uh, because I I think that it is. <laughs> and I think yeah. that it's a thing you have, one has to learn how to do. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all learn to a degree. And just as kids and whatever sure. we're, we're taught. But yeah, I mean, I, I certainly in myself, like... Sometimes I'll hear something and I really don't care for it. And but if I listen to it a few more times, like yeah. I, some of my favorite things have been that way. Like, yeah. like it's taken me a while. And that you know, coming from a jazz education background, that is very apparent because the the number of people who have like it's such a high bar to right. learn to appreciate that music. Yeah. In a way, like not all jazz. I'm talking specifically about like modern jazz like or atonal music or like free jazz they're operating at a level where it's you almost have to be at the level of the players yeah. to enjoy <laughs> yeah what they're doing i think there's similarities in old time there yeah the whole, like yeah. it, it uh, it's better than it sounds thing <laughs> right <laughs> yeah right and it, it is like old time for me is more fun to play than it is to listen to Although I do enjoy listening to it. Yeah, I probably but, yeah. ultimately agree. Yeah, I guess that's, that's true about a lot of yeah. kinds of music, but yeah. Well, yeah, who's, I mean, whoever said that, like, music is best as, like, a, a disembodied, like, dissociative sort of consumption of, like, sound waves, like, as a, <laughs> you know, as opposed yeah. to, like, participating, you know, uh, that's, I feel like it's probably new, a newer idea. Yeah. So well, I guess that's the thing about folk music, though. Yeah. Right? It is like all—it's all rooted in participatory stuff. Yeah, it should be at least dancing, if not right, also right. playing an instrument. Yeah. What do you want to play next? And then I want to ask you about faux pas. Oh sure. I don't know. Um, you know, I heard Bruce and Daryl do Blackest Crow last night. Yeah, that was so fun. Like, what, what I would love to hear yeah. you play that on yeah. this. Waltzes are are easy. I mean, it's it's a lot. There's a lot more in common with with an old time waltz to whatever a jazz waltz or that anything. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of overlap there with musicality stuff. So yeah, yeah let's try it. Great. What key do you want to do it in? I think G. Yeah, let's yeah. do the G. Thank you. 
just bark What little you know of grief and woe My poor aching heart Each night I suffer for your sake You're the one I love so dear I wish that I could join with you For you were staying here <laughs> yeah, I think you've ruined the song for me now. <laughs> uh, be because I won't be happy unless there's a sex right, song on right. it. <laughs> to clarify, <laughs> yeah, that that is like my secret goal is to make everyone wish there was saxophone all the time. No, actually, 
no one wants to hear saxophone all the time, especially me. I think there's a lot of power in the the absence of it too. You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's such a sonically, especially with with string instruments, it's just taking up a lot of like sonic space. Sure, yeah. Do you know, love that about it? I played I played last weekend up in Vancouver with a bunch of pals, really heavy bluegrass musicians at their bluegrass gig, and this old guy at the end. People love to come up, you know. Yeah, uh, I noticed that you were playing saxophone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was just like, "That was not offensive." And I was Weird. like, this, you "That know, was." Yeah, but, but yeah. backhanded compliment. Yeah. But you know, he was he was expecting to right. hate it, and like, yeah. he actually then was quite complimentary. He was yeah. like, "Yeah, in fact, it was like, yeah, I'll never think about this music the same way again." So. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, really turned it around. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah, I like. I liked. It. I it's mean, I love saying that. you're one of the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, there's not that many bad bluegrass sax players out there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the only other guy that I know that does it a lot is um, Eddie Barbash. Are you mm. familiar with him? No. He was uh, Sam Ryder in Human Hands was mm. the band that he played, and he played with Sierra Hull for a while. But mainly, he was. Uh, he was with John Batiste in the in the Late Show band for many oh, cool. years, and every night in the intro of that show for the first like three seasons, he quotes a fiddle tune on wow. the alto sax. That's which awesome, is hilarious. But he and I would end up at jams sometimes, and like we have a completely different approach to how we do how we do it, and yeah, yeah and just like mutual admiration for one another. Can, can we get into that a little bit? Like, what is your sure. approach? Like, where do you breathe? How do you give it <laughs> pulse? And how do you do yeah. that on this instrument? Um, well, I would say, like... Let's see. I mean, the breathing thing is a challenge because often fiddle tunes don't have any space to breathe, whereas tunes that were written for a wind instrument, usually there's phrases, right. you know, that, like, singing. But... Uh, um, I, I like transcribed a lot of fiddle. You know, growing up in Florida, Vassar Clements was like the guy, yeah. my hero, and I got to hear him a lot and like transcribe some of his things. And I try, you know, with any genre of or tradition or any kind of music, there's there's little you know little things that are specific to that. And with with string band music, often it's stuff that is inherent to what you would do on the fiddle or the banjo. You know. When I when I realized like the way the drone string is used on a banjo sort of as this like pivot point like yeah. that was really eye opening to me. But uh, just learning fiddle tunes from fiddle players and like getting what is that turn they're doing or what is you know where they slide into particular notes and other notes are open strings. Um, yeah. You know, one of the challenges and one of the like I guess this was like a breakthrough for me when I was like trying to figure out like why does this not sound like bluegrass and this does. Is like uh, it's so much easier to play a repeated note on a stringed instrument. That makes a lot of sense. Versus on the saxophone, changing notes is easier, right? Because if you want to play the same note, you have to tongue it to separate them. So you're relying on like a lot of tonguing action for like especially rapid fire bluegrass tunes. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that makes sense with the tunes that you've played so far on this show, like uh, Katie Hill. Is all scalar motion, not a lot of. If there's shuffling going on, it's embedded in the rhythm and accent of the scale, as opposed to, um, 
I mean, I guess old time fiddlers have different opinions on like <laughs> whether you should shuffle and how you should shuffle on certain notes, but uh-huh. there's no like self accompaniment. The tune accompanies itself. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I love playing that kind of stuff too, but but with a fiddler. Yeah, because I can't replicate that, and if I tried, it would sound cheesy and right. like yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess I, you know, it was on purpose that I that I pick tunes to lead that don't have a lot of because like That's so fine. many it's... great old time tunes are like like barely two or three notes. Right. It's all about the rhythm and the bowing, and yeah. like I love I love to talk with fiddlers about bowing and like think about how that translates to what I'm doing. There are sort of like you know every note on the saxophone has a fingering, but there are some alternate fingerings. So for example, on a G like. I can sort of do this trick fingering where I like vent these keys. It's the same note, but it has like a slightly different quality. Yeah. So I can go like. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's sort of like I do a lot of that when I'm playing like with the faux pas, where I'm playing a lot with a fiddler. So. Yeah. Uh, will you remind me what the actual makeup of the faux pas is? Though? Yeah. And you all mostly do like contra dances, right? Well, so. We, we started these two brothers, Andrew and Noah Van Nordstrand, who I met uh, 11 years ago now. And uh, we met at the Ashokan Fiddle and Dance Camps and like really connected over our love of all kinds of music. But they were, at the time, only playing contra dances. That's yeah. how they made their living since they were young kids. Yeah. A family band with their mom. And uh, so I, I had no idea what contra dance music was, but I got really pulled into that with them in a big way because they were insanely popular uh in this world like Mm. people would travel from all over the country when they played a dance so Mm. i got they expanded that trio to a full six-piece band with me and a clarinet player and then uh, a drummer and uh yeah then the three of them and uh it was incredible and like very different music but but and i was playing a different role in that band because again we had like a horn section vibe around yeah it was almost just like instrumental disco music with fiddle <laughs> tunes overlaid to it yeah but fun. really fun to dance to and the dancers loved it and uh so through that i mean we we got to be playing all different kinds of stuff together and played some house concerts and then the faux pas kind of came out of that as just a trio so it's andrew and noah uh and myself yeah. and so they both play um they both play fiddle Andrew plays mostly guitar in the band, and Noah plays fiddle, mandolin, and feet. He does the uh, yeah. Quebecois style foot percussion, but he's kind of developed his own. Yeah. And then I play about 50-50 banjo and sax. Oh, in cool. My, yeah. In that band. And uh, we've gotten away from playing contra dances, uh, obviously with the pandemic, for, but, yeah. but even before that, uh, they'd been doing it for 18 years. And so they they retired the Great Bear Project, and the faux pas were kind of... We were doing a handful of dances, but we were really trying to play concerts. Yeah. And we love doing that. We've been singing a lot together, like three-part mm. harmony singing. And they write original songs. We kind of write and arrange stuff together. So uh, we made we made a record. We made an EP like four years ago. And then we made a full-length record right before the pandemic hit. We just put it out a few months ago. But uh, I'm super proud of it. And yeah. I, I love these guys. They're like they're family to me. They have a really unique background with this contra, contra stuff and like just what they were exposed to and what they weren't exposed to growing up Noah I really feel is one of the best fiddlers I've ever heard yeah. and 
pretty com- pretty much unknown to the outside fiddler world. Sure, you know? like he doesn't go to he doesn't go to festivals. He doesn't really like to jam. He's totally self taught and and doesn't really know how good he is. <laughs> And doesn't like to teach or talk about it. So, like, he's kind of like my secret weapon. And I, yeah. like, love that I get to, like, sort of bring him into my world, which has been everything else yeah. for all these years. And be like, you got to check this shit out. Like, yeah. he's totally amazing and unbelievable in his own style. And, like, he does play old time, but it's it's his own version of old time. And he has not studied the tradition, really, you know. Yeah. He, he there's The thing about Contradance is, like, there's old time. There's New England. There's Quebecois. There's Irish, and there he he's incorporated all that in his mastery of like playing the contradance repertoire. Yeah. But when we play fiddle and banjo old time, it's it's really got that like rhythmic groove that comes from contradance. Yeah. Yeah, I I've sometimes I think maybe heard it described as um, like a dichotomy of uh, lift versus groove. Huh. And that maybe sometimes I think Alex Sturbaum, so you, who I'm sure you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe introduced it to me that way, or not specifically that Contra does that, uh, but that maybe more northern and Canada and Canada adjacent musics kind of yeah. have a lift as opposed to like a groove that you would hear in a square dance specifically. I don't know if you yeah. agree with that. I would I would probably agree with that. I mean, there's there's a range though, like. I've been to a great contra dance that was straight up old time, just like much more traditional old time. Like in the South, you'll have a lot of that. And also you'll have contras and squares mixed. Yeah. But on the West Coast and the Northeast, that doesn't tend to happen as yeah. much. They're pretty different. And my partner is a square dance caller. Yes. And uh, well, <laughs> so I would we love w- to have on the show oh, at yeah. some point. That I, would be great. I think I've danced when she's called, and I think she's the coolest. And she has this like. <laughs> almost like teacher energy uh, to her. It's like, all right, everyone, let's get it together. And then it's worth it. It's like, I'm glad glad you called her attention. (laughs) My most fun times when she's calling is like the late night drunken square dance where she's kind of a little tipsy and she's kind of (laughs) like drunk teacher. I would love to. I won't go any further than that. It's personal, but let's just say. I would love to get to experience that. Yeah. She's also an amazing ballad singer. She knows so many ballads. Yeah. And, like, we were just hanging out with Elizabeth Laprell and Brian. Uh, and, like, just hearing them sing together. Coolest. Yeah. Yeah, you should have her on. Yeah. Oh, and, and while we're talking about family and stuff, uh, congrats on your, your babe. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Very excited to, to bring her to the festies. Let yeah. her run around the campgrounds. Yeah. With other babies. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really have that growing up at very young i kind of got into it when i was like maybe 10 or 12 like i said but it was like me and my dad hanging out with a bunch of other bluegrass nerds it was not like yeah feral kids running around festivals sure, so i think different. that's really sweet and i'm yeah. jealous of everybody who, who yeah. grew up that way let's uh smash our babies together <laughs> yeah. yeah mine's a little bit older but uh-huh. yeah uh let's play another tune and then we'll get into like the business of where people go to oh. hire and buy and all that <laughs> stuff. Sure. Goods and services, all that. But what do you want to play before then? I'm kind of tapped out. Let me think. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. We should do. Let's do something totally different. Uh, yeah. Like maybe like an Irish tune or something. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I dated an Irish fiddler for a year, and I learned. I got super into learning Irish tunes during that time, and then haven't learned any since. <laughs> like lately, I've been really into Scottish tunes. I'm just, but I'm so novice at it. Like I can't even pronounce the names. Sure. But, yeah, but I'm, that's sort of like on the horizon. For me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Irish yeah. tunes. Yeah. yeah um, like, I don't have much of a vocabulary. Sure. But... Um, yeah. No, no. Let's see. Reels and hornpipes are a little bit easier for me than jigs. Yeah, let's do let's do a <laughs> but, reel. Uh, yeah, jigs are fun on the banjo though. I love the way Allison plays jigs. I think so. that she's the best clawhammer, jig clawhammerist. <laughs> yeah, I think that's indisputed. Yeah, <laughs> she's the only. I think she's the only one who makes it sound like clawhammer banjo, and makes it feel like a jig. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think anyone else. I try, but yeah. <laughs> and plays the melodies and has like the rhythmic yeah. support everything. Yeah. Okay, so what two tunes are we gonna do? <laughs> We're gonna do Torrid Romance followed by Wedding Reel. That well, seems. I I think that's a positive way to arrange those tunes. Yeah. Thematically. <laughs> I think that's great. Right. Right. It yes. could be the other way around. Yeah. But I like your spin. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Always go for the happy ending. Yeah. Give the people what they want. You're going to do some banjo pyrotechnics here. So. Okay, yeah. Let's uh, do it like um, three times. Yeah. And then we'll switch. Okay. And we'll do the other one three yeah, times. Yeah, and three I'll jump on before. as soon as I can switch my banjos Sounds around. Good. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Thank you. 
coming from me, um, <laughs> as Irish music always is, but it was fun. <laughs> hey, man, I'm the saxophone player. Yeah. Boy, music here, so. <laughs> okay, do we have time for one more? But before we do that, where do people go to get your music, whether that's recorded or in person? Uh, well, thefauxpasmusic.com would be the website for that project, and... Uh, my alter ego, alter life is the Cajun Zydeco Supergroup, The Revelers. That website is revelersband.com. I'm on all the social medias. And, uh, yeah, Fauxpas are going to be doing a big tour in March, uh, God willing, starting in Wisconsin, working our way down to uh, North Carolina. And then the Revelers are going to be doing a bunch of festivals this spring oh, and summer. So, uh can't wait to just busy. get back out there. Yeah. I mean, relatively busy. Yeah. Not as busy as I usually would be, but I think it's going to be another weird year. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. 2023, though. Gonna yeah. Hit it hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure. Yeah. You're a very thoughtful, gifted musician. It's lovely to talk to you. Same. <laughs> this is so great. All right, let's play one more. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, well, what do you think? Where should we go from there? Well, oh, what's the, you know, Dun Gone? Oh, that's in a weird. That's, I love Dun Gone. Yeah. Clyde what? Davenport's Dun Gone? Sure. Yeah. In B flat. B flat. But... We should play a B flat. I, you know, I know this tune. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do know this Great. tune. And I love playing B flat tunes. I used to know it a long time ago. But yeah, I should give myself that. Play a B flat tune. It's only fair. <laughs> People often, yeah, they're like, oh, B, that, that's a hard key for you, huh? Because, I mean, that is sort of like what we're taught. But actually, all keys are, are equal on, on a saxophone. They're just, they're, some are more familiar than others. Sure. You know? You get more but, practice. Right. But if you're playing bluegrass all the time, you got a lot of practice in B. Sure. And, you know, D, whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. I really like A and D. They, I think they... They have nice sound on the saxophone too, yeah. so I don't know. And they kind of, I guess they lay well or whatever. But, yeah. So B flat is a key that I used to play a lot. But yeah. These days, hardly at all. So, yeah, I have to review it. Right yeah. Yeah. Let me get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I play yeah, that standard key. Cool. Thank you. 
Visit the websites of the Revelers and the Faux Paws at revelersband.com and thefauxpawsmusic.com to get their music and find out when they're playing near you. Both are touring this year. Find links in this episode's show notes in your podcast app. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional Clawhammer banjo series or to schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, available in all the same places as Get Up In The Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up In The Cool. 